Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Middle call! Baby, hey! What's up, everybody? Welcome. Good to have you. Good to be had. It is uh, Thursday afternoon. Ah, oh, man. Been, um, I don't know about you, John, but I've been <clears throat> grinding the tape. Just wearing the tape down to a dust. Big tape watcher? Big tape watcher. I threw on some tape today, too. Background. Every, I look over a little. I, I don't. I, I think back to some of the days when I just had to watch over and over. And I realized like you could not like look at your phone, scroll Twitter, or, like check Instagram. Instagram wasn't really big, you know, then. But part of being a great tape watcher is just literally sitting there. Yeah, I heard someone great. say this about Kyle. It was McVeigh, like his capacity to just sit there and watch tape and take it all in was always inspiring when Sean was young. Mm. I'd say the same about like Andy McDermott. You know, I think McVeigh is clearly that now too. Like they can just sit there, guy. You, you can have music, but it's just you, pen, paper. I probably some young coaches, iPad, TV, clicker, hours on end. There's no Jim Nance on the TV too, right? I mean, you know this, but it's quiet. Yeah, there's a uh, you probably. I don't know if this. I've heard older coaches tell stories like Dion's like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> Dion's always got the music on. Uh, he's in charge of music, I think. Uh, some of these older coaches talk about the way they used to break down tape, you know, like cut it and yeah, c- cut it, but also how they would log it by hand. As opposed to some of the stuff technology can help you with now filtering and all that. Well, it wasn't that long ago when I was at Fresno state, you had to number yeah. like when the high school games would come in, you know, it'd be like, Clovis West versus Clovis East or Monterey Trails versus Mission Viejo or whatever. And you would put a little thing on it in a little case. And you had this big case of like one to, you know, 1500. 
and a cut one time one numbers off they're all off in the book so you could have a hundred games all off by one so coach hill you know go to look and then dvd start flying in, in a team meeting it was pretty ugly now dana the hills <laughs> exactly yeah we got it pretty good you know it's technology might piss us off but it makes life a little more efficient. There, I was clicking, uh, clicking around uh, the the cable, John. As kids are known to do these days, there was a Simpsons on. There's a Simpsons where they, they, uh, the school has no money. You know, they they're watching like old footage from uh, uh, the '50s in history class and that kind of thing. And some tech bro uh, sees them lose in a math competition and uh, gives them a bunch of money, and they digitize everything. The whole school gets digitized, but then somehow the uh, electronics fail and and they're shit out of luck. <laughs> it was funny Simpsons. It's not really a recap by me. Just uh, if you happen to see it, I recommend clicking on it. It's a good one. Yeah, thanks. All right, John, let's dive into it. Um, oh, before we go any further, thoughts and prayers out there to uh, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> what happened? Who made the mistake of criticizing the NFL's halftime entertainment for the super bowl he said rihanna can't hold beyonce's jock and Stephen a has been apologizing to rihanna for like three straight days i don't know if you've caught that That's no i've been out of the loop on that i didn't even uh... non-stop my timeline is Stephen a apologizing to rihanna like three times a day uh, so, so rihanna's the halftime okay. entertainment i didn't rihanna's honestly a- miss that too yeah, rihanna's the halftime i didn't miss it because like burkhart did the promo the other day during the during the fox broadcast uh, we are sponsored by our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka. This weekend, we've got two pre... I mean, this is an incredible weekend of football. we got primo football games on Saturday and Sunday, culminating with Niners Cowboys on Sunday night. Are you kidding? Tito's Handmade Vodka. Whether you are suffering, whether you are celebrating, whether you are neutral, just indifferent, um, whatever you're doing. Whether you're watching Netflix on a Friday night, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Bellying up to the bar, playing around a golf. Watch Get it on hot. it right now. Get on it right now, baby. Tito's. We love our friends at Tito's. Hey, espresso Martini to pick me up. Get mm. feeling a little tired. Look at the bar and go, Espresso Martini with Tito's. Because yeah. you, you, you always got to tell them. Because sometimes they you know put some cheap, some of that crappy vodka in. You want like the number say, one vodka in America. Yeah. yeah. When they say Tito's, I'm like, yeah. I love doing a good, uh, you know, especially if they have a specific drink on their menu, but it has one of those other imposters, and you right, go, right. I want this, but with Tito's. Yep. And give them a wink. <laughs> they didn't have to pay for this real estate. That's right. <laughs> Illegally. We Tito's follow the rules around here. Right. Tito's a Tito's. high-level businessman. <laughs> Tito is a high-level businessman, and he's making the best uh, vodka that uh, money can buy, and he does it with no frills, no bullshit, no extra this or that it's just you what you're getting is the quality that's what you're getting is the quality if you want to mix with some ginger beer great you want to mix with some water and lemon i've done it if you guys haven't tried it yet i recommend it try it you go out to the bar with friends order a tito's water and lemon and everyone's gonna be like what and then you're gonna sip it and you're gonna enjoy it someone someone i i think i am saying i say it espresso it's espresso i just you know like the express lane i just you know, it's just flying. You, you get some espresso <laughs> and you are just. Yeah, you just get espresso. You, know? you are. <laughs> You're moving. Going 100 miles an hour. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof. Crafted to be savored responsibly. 
There you go. Also brought to you by DraftKings. Right now, our friends at DraftKings, guy, mm-hmm. you bet $5 on any NFL playoff game, divisional round, and choosing you'll instantly get a $200 bonus bets deposited in your account. Am I reading the wrong one? <laughs> you just reading it so fast, I couldn't follow. Uh, Let me stay off on this. We're one, one step closer to Super Bowl Fifty Seven for the NFL divisional round. You're on the right track, right? Keep it going. I, I got something off in front of me. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code Ham. That's code ham. New customers, $5. That's what you got to bet this weekend on the NFL divisional round, and you get 200 in free bets instantly. Code ham, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Very easy to do. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, New York. 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Void in Ohio and Ontario. Bonus issued as free bets. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Deposit, parlay, and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. I'd clicked on the wrong thing. We might have been reading the wrong one all week, but whatever. <laughs> we'll get into that problem later. Yeah. When Amazon, like, <clears throat> we can relate to Bezos when those make goods come. 19 million viewers, George. <laughs> Sorry, can we get a make good? That Honestly, that pisses me off for Amazon. Like, hey, advertisers, I do you want a part of man. Thursday night football or not? Like, yeah. this is the fucking price. Deal with it or not. Like, You want you to play on, with the big leagues? You're jumping on something a little early. There could be some bumps here. But yeah. you're getting in early. You, this is the get in early price. So, sorry, we trimmed the fat of 80 year old grandma couldn't figure out how to watch the game. She wasn't buying anything from your companies anyway, guys. Let's just be real. Everyone in the demo that you wanted, 35 to like 55, they watched. You're fine. And those younger people, they tell their parents about it if they really want it. So yeah, and they're coming. They're they're coming. Just don't worry. They're yeah. They're listen coming. to Dion. We're coming. They're, they're coming. Uh. They're coming. Yeah. A lot of uh, score predictions for the Niner game, the Niner Cowboy game. In the, in You're getting the- an upset. Here is, listen, I, I shit on last week going into the week. I was like, this on paper, what a terrible wild card weekend. Saturday night was incredible. I would say the Bills Miami line or game, it was a 13 point line, was riveting. Uh, Giants. Vikings, which I think we all thought was going to be probably the better game of the weekend, was fantastic. And that Tyler Huntley play, I mean, that's one of the better individual moments of a playoff game is it's you're ever going to see happen. A quarterback sneak dive over, fumble to a defensive lineman he takes to the house. That's, that's yeah, a jaw dropper. With a guy still kind of chasing, like almost getting them at the end. You think blocking the back or a little side tap? To me, like... I'm not throwing a flag on that. You get all bets are off. It's why is it so hard for four guys to block one guy? It always happens. It's just one guy's kind of weaving. Yeah. Well, because everyone's moving and yeah, you're just uh so I'm prepared for a fantastic weekend. Even though if when you just take a step back, you would like all four games to be 
two to four points. Like the Niners line is the smallest. I mean, these are some pretty big lines. Saturdays. Well, I, I got Bills now at the smallest. When I looked at the Bills was five and a half. Yeah, you're right. My mistake. Bills opened at the smallest. But Saturday, I mean, you're the Niners are four, a, Bills are five and a half, Eagles are seven and a half, and Chiefs are eight and a half. Those are pretty big lines for Saturday. Yeah. Chiefs Saturday games. Down. Jags, Chiefs with uh, C.J. Beathard? Is C.J. Beth? What is the latest? I don't know. Right Trevor Lawrence. Started, what'd, you, what'd you see? Trevor Lawrence has a toe? That's what I, that's what oh. I read on the internet streets. Unless I read the wrong player. It's not keeping him out of the, the game. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence toe questionable. Whew. That's a what's what's kick what one thirty Pacific. Uh, yeah, one, yeah, same deal. One thirty five thirty five fifteen for Giants Eagles. Don't let it sneak up on you. Uh, no. And then which is a which is just an incredible game. What game? Giants Eagles. In theory, I mean, they they once played yes. when everyone was healthy and they beat the shit out of them. Giants are a different team than they were then, John. They're playing now with confidence. Um, Bengals-Bills is a noon Pacific game. Five, uh, five and a half point line. That's significant movement there. That It opened at three and a half Buffalo. It's now five and a half. And then the Niners are four o'clock. 334 points. <sighs> Eagles are a different team too. I mean, that's the other thing. I don't. What are the Eagles? I, last time we saw them, you and I. I know you. You texted me this morning, like you got to watch the <clears throat> Christmas Day game again, or the Christmas Eve game, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve game. It was member game of the Fox's day, game of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America's game of the week. America's game of the week. Yeah, Niners because we were you know watching Niners uh, skins or <laughs> Commanders or team or whatever they're called. Team, yeah, <laughs> Niners team. <laughs> so. You know, I missed that. And that's what that's the one I kept talking about when the game started getting out of hand. I'd flip back and the women in the room were like, why are you changing the channel? I'm like, it's fucking commercial and the Eagles Cowboys going on. I will not miss important stuff. Just I know what I'm doing here with a remote in my hand. I've been people, people did not the, whole the other guy in the room is like, yeah, guys, just let him change the channel. He knows what I want. What's the score? People do not flip back channels. They just watch the Niner game. It's, I know. it's baffling. I know. Which I do too. If they're not playing Carson Wentz, up ten. If you're, to me, like if you're not doing a podcast after the game, a live stream, you can flip around a little bit. You know, I'd flip. By flip around, well, I guess I have multiple TVs. Right. I, I think most guys that watch football once a game gets out of hand will go to the game that's closer. It's human nature, right? To sports fans. To the non-sports fans, like I just want to watch Brock Purdy keep playing. Well, the ca- like, yeah, exactly. The casual fans, like we scored again. It's thirty-two to seven. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's not close. This game's over. And the Eagles game was legitimately. It was like so 24-24, 31-31. That game was incredible. It was. Now it was Minshew, which was I don't Minshew. know that he threw for three fifty-five that day. Hit some big plays. <clears throat> Did you know that Devontae Smith had ninety-five catches this year? Not until you told me. He's a pretty good player. That team's scary. As long as the quarterback's healthy, they are a formidable foe. I think the Cowboys are too. So you think they might buzzsaw the Giants this week? Well, I, I mean, their quarterback, their coach refuses to act like he's healthy. I mean, if, if he's not healthy, then I don't look at them the same. If he's healthy, 
they they did buzzsaw them when they originally played when everyone was healthy. Because the Giants, one thing the Cowboys, Eagles, and Niners have are just high-end talent. Guys that on Madden would be rated in the 90s, guys that just can impact the game. Hell, T.Y. had an unreal catch in that in that Eagles game on Christmas Eve. And he's older, but I mean, they got guys. The Giants do not. Like, the, Kayvon Thibodeau is probably like a Giants top five player. He's a rookie who had like four sacks this year. Again, good player. Might turn into a pro bowler one day. He ain't that now. He's not Michael Strahan or OC in his prime, right? And he's easily one of their better players right now. They play with wide receivers that basically are like the Bears. You know, it's like, God, oh, Dante Pettis, you know, all these random guys. Nikhil Harry, that group of guys. That's when you watch the Giants play, you're like, Hodgins? Like, who, who are is Victor Cruz around? Jonathan Smith. <laughs> oh, he's the Oregon State guy? He's a beef. Which I like. I'm not disrespecting, but no, no one's really knows who that guy is. I know. You watch the Eagles like Devontae Smith, Heisman, AJ Brown, sweet, Ayuk, Debo, CD, TY, Dalton Schultz franchise tag. That is just not the case with the Giants. I think Saquon. they run out of gas. Saquon's sweet. Vic says all my friends hate watching games with me because I keep I change the channels during each commercial break. Just as long as you've earned the try, like well, you but here's the thing as a football watcher. You perfect that on a Saturday, right? Because you got action everywhere. So you know you're a lot of a lot of riffraff too on Saturdays. You know, true. Saturdays to me are harder to just like. I'll always keep it. I got to keep all the scores up so I know like where am I going next? Tennessee, well, Arkansas. Better get to that game. One hundred percent. So you see on Twitter like got a barn burner here. Like your significant other gets used to that, but when you bring outside people in around the holidays, they're not used to that move. And I'd say this on an NFL Sunday, you're flipping between two channels. Right, college is like, was this ESPNU? Is this SEC Network? Where, where's this fucking Kentucky, Florida uh, overtime game? NFL is easy. You're just CBS, Fox, black I'm and like white. That, I'm like that with music. Do you finish songs? No, I People never hate driving songs. with me. Oh, the same. Alyssa's is always like, "What? Will you let the song finish?" Like, I heard the chorus twice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's go to the next series. Go to heaven. I got it. <laughs> I don't have nine minutes to listen to this song. <laughs> now I'll spend nine minutes looking for something else <laughs> for the perfect song. I'm with you. Uh, let's talk. <laughs> uh, there's so much to talk about. Where do you want to start, Matt? You want to start often? We got a lot of matchups to talk about here. Actually, you know what? Can we go back to last year first? Yeah. I have a little presentation I've prepared for everybody. Now, if you are uh, listening to this on the podcast, by the way, great to have you listening to the podcast. Check out our YouTube, which is down in the description. Share the podcast. Continues to grow. Uh, last few months have been great for the show. Thank you. YouTube, hit that like, hit that subscribe. Our podcast is down in the description of the YouTube. If you haven't checked that out, you can take us on the go, all that kind of stuff. If you're watching on TikTok, also appreciate you guys. Yeah. So, uh, Twitch. So, um, if you're listening to this, I'll describe this as we go. I, I think you'll, you'll be able to follow this. I recommend... To anybody, if you're we're, obviously it's Thursday today, if you're catching it live, great. Friday, you've got Saturday. I recommend rewatching Cowboys Niners from last year. If you have NFL I, Plus, you do condensed version, takes what, 40 minutes? I didn't do condensed version because I wanted the flavor. Now, I, I just, you know, it's easy because there's a 10 second ahead. You just skip, skip, skip if you need to. But it's, you just, I didn't do condensed version. I wanted it all, John. Okay. So I went through the bad boy and, um, I have for many years held an opinion about Mike McCarthy, which is that he's a really good coach. He's better than most. 
But his teams, I believe, will consistently come up short in the biggest moments because I think he lacks detail. I actually think, and I know you're going to, a lot of people probably won't love this comp because it's not really apples to apples. I think there's some Harbaugh kind of similarity simply in that I think, like, I don't trust Harbaugh to win a championship. And I don't trust McCarthy to win a championship. I think ultimately the Cowboys have to hire another coach to win a Super Bowl. Mike did, though. I know he did. did. That's true. He is. He did it. Mike is. Yeah. Very true. I don't think Mike McCarthy can win a a championship with the Cowboys. I think they ultimately would need a different coach to do it. Doesn't mean they can't. I'm not saying he can't beat the 49ers. Players and teams make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So the Cowboys are really good. He's a really good coach. I saw Colin Cowherd did the thing like McCarthy's better than you think. I don't know if you caught that the other day, like blind resumes. Um, I think that paints one picture of Mike, which is that he is better than most coaches. Uh, he really is. Had a good two-year stretch, right? 24 wins, won a playoff game on the road. Like it's, it's He's a like legit coach. Yeah, But I think Mike McCarthy's more interested in behind-the-back passes than, than bounce passes, than chess passes. And I think his teams reflect it. I think if you watch his team's games, there's always stuff. And they played a great game against Tampa. They they kicked their ass. At their best, they're good. But I think that sometimes that characteristic of his somehow shows itself in his teams. And I had I was texting with a buddy of mine who played for Harbaugh and McCarthy. I'm like, what do you think of this comp? And he didn't really like the comp at first. I started explaining it to him. He's like, well, you know, the one thing about Mike, and he loves Mike, he said he's well, an. Did he think Mike was a more normal guy than Jim? Yes, he says not the same human being. <laughs> but he said, as an offensive guy, he doesn't touch the run game. So you know, if you're an offensive play caller who doesn't touch the run game, he said, in my experience, those pass game coordinator only guys just see the run game as filler until they can throw another pass. And it really, at the end of the day, can't. If you're really going to have it work efficiently, it can't work like that. Which is what's great about Kyle Shanahan. And I think that's kind of what I'm saying when I say he prefers behind-the-back passes to chess passes. Like, I think Kyle loves a behind-the-back pass, but fundamentally he's a chess pass guy, which would is the Jim, right game. Would Jim quit football if you didn't allow him to touch the run game? Jim would <laughs> – that's what's funny is Jim isn't in charge of anything but feels like he's involved in stuff in the biggest moments. That's where Jim gets involved. So I, I think it's a fundamental flaw of McCarthy's teams. And – Maybe to, maybe it shows up today. It showed up last year when the Niners and Cowboys played. Now, I'm going to take you through some of this game, and some of this will come back to you, I think. A little presentation I've prepared. First play of the game, Randy Gregory lines up offsides. That happens. I'm not blaming Mike McCarthy for it necessarily. Randy was offsides like three times that day. Some of this stuff, I'll tell you, is not necessarily Mike, but I think a lot of it is. I do think this is a reminder the Cowboys tried to jump the snap count a million times last last year, and they did a couple times actually successfully. But Micah's, Micah on the far end there, Micah Parsons, is also just about offsides. All right. Uh, early in the game, the Cowboys run a hook and lateral, kind of, except it calls for Cedric Wilson to throw a sidearm pass on the run at his own 20-yard line. This is idiotic. This is absolutely idiotic. This is malpractice. Now they're down 10 to nothing. It's the third and 16, first quarter, desperate times, desperate measures. This is what I'm talking about. You know who they're throwing the ball to here? Tony Pollard, who it turns out is just their best running back. But they didn't handle the ball last year. They tried to throw him 
I don't even know what you call this play. Hook and ladder. Kinda. But a way lower percentage, this ball went skipping out of bounds. And, of course, if you watch it, it was there. Like, it was going to work. Well, Guy, what's the most famous hook and ladder play of all time? Kellen Moore. Well, Boise State, right? Not Kellen, but, yeah, Jared. Yeah, so it's like, this is where I'm – you're McCarthy. This is a Kellen Moore trick play from his Chris Peterson Boise State days, yeah, right? Yes, it is. Kel- Kellen loves this shit. I think Kellen would be well-served to coach for a defensive head coach who calms who him down a little doesn't, yeah just <laughs> all right next up john really quick because of uh rights we're, we're not gonna we can't play the play on youtube does he complete this no it's not even close what does it go over his head Goes skipping out of bounds look <laughs> he's he's seven yards behind where he's trying to throw the ball well because you got you can only pitch it backwards ball. you can't pitch it forwards right so he's got to keep the the mesh point Zeus on the stream says, dude would have scored if he got the ball. Yeah, there's a lot of plays that would have worked if you weren't asking Cedric Wilson to throw a sidearm pass. This isn't hockey. This isn't a fast break. This isn't basketball. Yeah, it looks like Tony would have to cover a lot of ground there to get to the football. Okay. All right, next up, John. Third and 19, second quarter, end of the half. You can see the Cowboys are across midfield. They need to get to this field goal target line, which is the 37-yard line. They're playing in their home stadium. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Cowboy Stadium, but historically it's very famous for having bad sun, which is something you would know if you play there. They run Cedric Wilson straight into the sun. (laughs) And he ducks. He ducks. He ducks out of the way of the football. And the ball goes skipping into the secondary. Now, you might argue this is bad luck. You can't account for the sun. I would argue, yes, you, you can account for the sun at home. You should account for this. Now, if you're playing in an outdoor stadium and the whole field is in the sun, as Charles Haley once said in his Hall of Fame speech, all this shit is green. Well, then there's nothing you can do about it. But I would say, do you think I'm crazy to suggest that? No, you at home, Kellen Moore's been there as a player and as a coach now his entire career in the NFL. So, I, I mean, I would guess 60-plus games Kellen Moore has worn a cap, maybe more. I mean, I, a lot of games, right? And, and they play a ton of afternoon Cowboy games in his career there, right? So he's, yeah, I would say uh, I, M- McCarthy, I would get Kellen. This is, again, I, I think Kellen, the criticism a little more. Mike's, he has the sheet. He's not calling the plays, right? He's got the sheet. For some reason, Mike's got the sheet. It, that does feel very Dodger Giants Sunday Night Baseball, right? <laughs> it does. It does. Luckily, when you throw it in the sun, the defense is probably not going to pick it off because they can't see it either. Right? <laughs> Smart move by Cedric Wilson to duck. You don't want to deflect the ball. and Go, uh, Went over his head, correct? Uh, yeah, just went over his head because he hit the deck. <laughs> I like All Cedric right. Wilson. That was a good pickup by the Dolphins. Uh, next up, uh, this is not necessarily a weakness here. This I just thought was fun. To your Kellen Moore point, this is a play they run uh, 16 to 7. The Niners are leading third quarter. These are two offensive linemen, if you can see here, lined up in the backfield who then run routes. Here they are uh, on the screen. They're both clapping for the football. Just something kind of clever, I'd say. <laughs> Maybe too clever. But, yeah, they, they went seven offensive linemen. Two of them line up in the backfield at fullback, split out. And then they both one route. 78 here at the bottom is you can hear him on the broadcast clapping for the ball. Um, he really and, was uh, P, uh, Chris Peterson's uh, protege, huh? 
Do, do you right. see a lot of Chris Peterson and his shit? I mean, this, um, keep people engaged, doing some quirky stuff. Yeah, I, w- I would say yes. The difference is Chris Peterson was never the three seed playing at home. He was the underdog. You're, you're okay. I didn't quite know where you're going. One hundred percent. Good. Good point. So no, you run that for playing like, hey, we'll play like we're the underdog. I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but Chris was always, you know, you, if you, if you wanted to push back on this specific play call. 16 to 7 in the second half of an NFL playoff game. <laughs> Run normal shit. You know, you got Tony Pollard, you got CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper was on the team then, correct? Uh, <laughs> yes, Cedric <Amari>. Wilson. <laughs> you have Schultz. Let's just run some normal plays. I'm, I'm in agreement there. That, that You would agree, like, week five, this is not a crazy play. Playoff game, down, uh, what, 16, eight, nine points. There's a time and a place, and this probably isn't the time or the place. All right, next up, John. Uh, we've got 18 seconds here left in the third quarter. The Niners are leading 23 to seven. It's third down and two. The uh, what you look if you're watching this, what you're seeing is you're seeing uh, Zeke lying on the ground. He just picked up a first down. So the Cowboys are moving from right to left. The third down and two actually just became a first down. So they just picked up the first down. 18 seconds left. Tony Romo says, and one, one thing, t- Tony gets a lot of criticism. One thing I love about Tony. He knows situational football like the back of his hand, the clock specifically, right? It's Tony been embedded says, into his hand, head as a quarterback. You're down right? 23 to 7. You just picked up a first down. You're near midfield. Tony says they got to try and run another play here before the end of the third quarter, right? He's saying time is not on their side. They're down multiple scores. They got to let's maximize the number of plays you get here. The Cowboys stand up kind of slowly. They kind of it takes them three or four seconds to realize they should hurry up. They then hurry up and they don't, they just by like a second don't get the playoff in time. Oh, so they tried to run a play. They, they, they tried to. Initially, they didn't realize, then they tried to. And this is really what I'm talking about here is, is I think when you go back to the hard knocks of the Cowboys, that was a lot, you know, one thing we took out of that, I remember, was, was Jerry Jones eating an egg McMuffin with a fork and a knife. But he's like us. But, but the thing I always hung on to was the mojo moments, McCarthy trying to create the mojo moments. And I think it's ironic because his teams, to me, are consistently not good in the mojo moments. Those are like the crunch time, two-minute drill moments. We'll get to that, obviously. But so this happens at the end of the third quarter. And Tony rightfully says they got to hurry it up. And not only do they not hurry it up, it'd be one thing if they just chose not to. They realized late, then they couldn't execute it. All right, fourth quarter. This, This is a disaster for the 49ers. It's fourth down and five for the Cowboys <clears throat> at their own 48-yard line. Tony Romo actually says, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they should go for it. <clears throat> they line up to punt. Jay Feely says the 49ers are in fake punt defense. So the Niners are not caught off guard by the fake punt. Well, 10 of them aren't caught off guard. Josh Norman, remember, was on the 49ers. And as everybody else plays punt defense, fake punt defense, Josh Norman wheels and sprints to the goal line <laughs> to set up the return. Well, they're punting from the 50, right? Is that where the ball is? Basically? Yeah, the ball's at about the 48. Okay. So that, that was a play, and this was, you know, I, I would say peak high tower moment. Uh, now, should Josh Norman have been on the field? Remember, they were clearly – your DBs play on punt coverage. So that's, you just, they were, Charvarius would not, but for the most part, you know, the Niners, 
they didn't have many options last year. That that was I, I remember vividly sitting there thinking that, that was one of the crazier things I'd ever seen after they had said like they had known it, they had known it, but he didn't. That to me gets back to that to me is a reflection. Like if this is all negative on McCarthy, like that's on Kyle because everything that happens on his staff is on him. That moment, like high tower, that, that's that's inexcusable, inexcusable. That that was an embarrassing moment for the Niners, which I would say gave life for the Cowboys in this game, right? Well, it turned <laughs> into you may for some some may remember what happened next, uh, which was Bones the Cowboys special teams coach, they just dialed up this sweet special teams play. But what happened next was insane. And this goes back to McCarthy. This goes back to two offensive linemen lined up in the back. This goes back to all this stupid shit. The Cowboys, after picking up the first down, leave their special teams unit on the field. It's first down. I remember that. They leave their special teams unit on the field. And Tony Romo immediately says they're trying to get the Niners to take a timeout. Shanahan and D'Amico... Nobody flinches. They don't call a timeout. So the Cowboys then have to go full line change. They have to take their special teams unit off the field and get their offense onto the field as the play clock is rolling. I'm showing a picture to those of you watching. There's 16 seconds on the play clock as the special teams unit goes off and the offense comes on. Well, what does that mean? You have to give the defense time to substitute. The Cowboys don't snap the ball in time and get a delay of game penalty. This is peak idiocy. This is peak trying to throw a behind-the-back pass when a chess pass will do. This is so freaking stupid. I, watching this thing back now... I, That's the dumbest play, That's the dumbest play in the game. Post -game the dumbest if I was doing a Cowboys postgame after this game, I think I would have called for Mike McCarthy to be fired. Like, this is so stupid. I can't even emphasize how stupid this is. What are we doing? You're down 23 to seven. You just got a first down. Credit to the Niners because they actually needed the timeout later in the game. They ended up using the timeout late. They had too many men on the field on the Cowboys last drive. So the Niners were, it was a good thing they didn't use the timeout. Well, why why would you call a timeout when they're in punt formation on first and 10? <laughs> it's the dumbest. The, the idea is that they are too dumb to not get frazzled by this, right? That's, the approach you're taking here for the Cowboys is not we're going to outsmart them. It's we we think they're too stupid to see what's happening here. And of course, the Niners. Uh, but ha have you ever seen a punt team in that situation come stay on the field on first and ten? Never. But but it just requires the other team to panic. And what you're doing there is you are requiring the 49ers to panic. You are banking. No, you're not requiring. You are banking on them panicking. Uh, I feel. Do, do you know what's dumb about that? What, thinking about it right now. That move actually makes more sense when you're up a couple scores late in the game in the playoffs, just hoping they will just unravel. Yeah. If the Cowboys had been up 23 to seven, it'd be like they're so frazzled, maybe they freak down. Like you said, is malpractice. Your now, only goal down basically two scores, right? Two touchdowns and two extra two two points is to score to, to what anything that slows you down to get your offense back to continue to roll is malpractice that 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 could be the low point of all their offsides and even the Dak slide at the end of the game that this moment's an all-timer all you could argue like an I mean it's closer to the Chuck Pagano Pat McAfee punt snap than I think ever gets discussed it's yeah I'd forgotten how stupid this is but this is Hall of Fame stupid you don't do that as a team trailing by two scores in the fourth quarter 
when time is of the essence. Yeah. You just got a big play. And again, who are you coaching against? I don't think Kyle, I think Kyle Shanahan's pretty like no one's I, I think he's pretty even keel, pretty smart. Like well, part part of this exercise, their coaching staff's the same, right? Bones is their special teams coach. Kellen's their offensive yeah. coordinator. Mike, Dan Quinn, like their core group of coaching. Our guy Nussmeyer still on the staff. Like it's it's their cohesion in the front. The last two years is the same with the Dallas Cowboys. They end up kicking a field goal on this drive. Okay. Stupid, 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 stupid. By the way, it's not just the substitution part of it. Like you have to understand. Um, I did a football game. I did an Air Force game this year, and I asked Troy Calhoun, as Air Force's coach, I was just like, how much time do you need on the clock to substitute? Because they would run guys on, run guys off. Because my question was, <clears throat> if an offensive team substitutes pretty late, you as a defensive team can take advantage of that by taking your time substituting, knowing the referee is going to hold them up. And he said, yeah, actually, I think if you're subbing under 18 seconds, you're putting yourself at risk as an offense, knowing that the defense is going to sub and knowing that the official is going to hold things up for them. So, so offensive- he, knew, he knew immediately as a coach, he knew immediately. I think 18 seconds, you're, you are playing with fire. If you substitute under 18 seconds, that was there's, there's 16 there's, here. There's yeah. 22 people on the field for the Cowboys. It's <laughs> a tough, tough, tough look. And look at this. There's a guy on the near side, John. He's on the near side numbers. So he's not going to get off the field until, what, 13 seconds? I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came for the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts, Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code HAM. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. ButcherBox.com slash HAM helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over. 
But hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks i love it it's download the app today use code ham 50 for the first deposit match of up to a hundred dollars to oh yeah i was just looking at some pictures of a concert luke bryan my wife and i went to i don't know 10 years ago she had some old cowboy boots on this is like a couple weeks ago and i said you, you need some new boots because we're going to see luke combs so she went to to and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to Tecovas.com. These boots are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear, and it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps cowboy hats bandanas you name it they'll get you outfitted if you can't make it to a store tecovas delivers the most premium quality most comfortable western goods right to your door visit tecovas.com that's t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com and point your toes west today's episode is sponsored by nerd smart money podcast NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I got to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock. I've spent years trying to upgrade my security system at the house with one of those big name companies that, I'll be honest, sucks. I got the Eufy Video Lock and it's an automatic improvement. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. It's easy to install, just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. And now I've got the keyless entry. I always go for walks. I don't want to take keys. I hate stuff in my pockets. I go without the keys. The fingerprint recognition lets me in in less than one second. There's no monthly fees. You have your recordings locally. You never have to pay for storage. I love knowing that doorbell ring was just a delivery. I don't have to jump up and get it. Or if I'm out of town, I can look. I can see the landing in front of the door and tell the neighbor, hey, do you mind swinging by and picking up something? I love the 3-in-1 video smart lock from Eufy, and you will too. So search Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? 
you want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run, well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event, concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app, and uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the Game Time app now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Here's the thing. Part of, I, I, I bet if we talk to most offensive coaches, part of substituting is not as much as especially at the highest level of Power 5 football or the NFL, they're always going to have time to make their moves. Like if you're trying to get Greenlaw off the field to get Al Shiren or whatever, it's about the ultimately the matchup. My player versus your guy. You're right. going to get him on the field. I just think that my third wide receiver is better than your nickel corner. Or if I say in a you know two, two back offense and you're you know, three linebackers on the field, whatever, it's, it's not about like running it on and off the field. It's about once the ball is snapped, we have a set advantage at X, right? It's not to get you moving at rapid speed going on and off the field because, you, like you just put out, the rules of equality, you don't get to do it that way. It, the end, Basketball is the same way, right? The, when you sub off and sub on, like they get the opportunity to do the same thing. This isn't like you can't just like hit some curveball when you don't know it's coming. It's like, damn, they got seven wide receivers on the field. We got eight defensive linemen. That's not the way it works. It really is an all-timer, which I think is completely lost. Lost. Partly because of the way the game ends. And then there's this, which is, you know, 14 seconds. Romo, again, I think it was great having Romo on this game, says <clears throat> the play, this game will end if they run a play to the middle of the field. Then they do it, and Nant says, oh, this could do it. And Romo's like, no, they could pull it off. But Dak goes too far. Dak sliding. Dak slides down 14. I guess I'll set up the situation for those listening. Many of you will remember, but you know, six point game Cowboys hit some big plays 14 seconds left. They've got the ball. The Niners set up the defense that basically protects both sidelines. Dak takes off running. Dak slides down at the 27 yard line. Okay. This is an image of him sliding at the 27. The Cowboys then try to spot the ball themselves at the 23. So, as we know, the Cowboys don't get the snap off in time. They try to spike the ball. They don't. The game ends. The official has to get in there to touch the football and spot it. And you might, under some circumstances, I'd be like, well, it's stupid that the official has to touch the ball. Why, why are we wasting? But when you think about it, you cannot allow a team to spot the ball for themselves. And this is the perfect example of why. The Cowboys give themselves four yards. Yeah. on this play. 
So even if they get to snap off in time, <clears throat> I think they would have had a mess in a review because the official ends up moving the ball back from like the 23 to like the 23 and a half, 24. The Cowboys would have then spiked the ball. The Niners didn't have a timeout, but there would have, you know, how do you review that? That ball would have been misspotted by two and a half yards, even if they get the snap off in time. And that would have been a mess for the NFL. What if it would have snapped it and they wouldn't, they would have let it go and he would have thrown a touchdown. It would have been one of the most controversial. It the in the previous history of the spot right after you've let the next play happen. It'd been bad. It'd I have been think really every bad. one thing I think every uh, definitely the college rule book has this is there are circumstance like extenuating circumstances can allow for correction. Force majeure. <laughs> Force majeure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So um, late game situations is what everybody works on in every practice. You've been at practices, college and NFL. You've worked for teams. You've been at practices, scouting players. Everybody works at this. Cowboys do. Mojo moment. And in their mojo moments, I think they're more likely to screw it up than get it right. And I think that's part of a Mike McCarthy team. Doesn't One mean thing- guaranteed to beat them. Doesn't mean you don't. Niners made plenty of their own mistakes in this game. They had a false start on a on a, a, a illegal motion with Trent going in motion when they could have snuck for a first down and won the game. I'm just saying, I think this is a McCarthy trait. One thing, and listen, I, I don't know, just from the outside, I've always heard he's a high-level guy. That was easily the biggest win of his career. Could some of this, and this is where I defended Mike McDaniel last year with some of the, or I mean, last week with the delay of games with Skylar Thompson. Your quarterback is a conduit of your operation when it comes to time, right? For the the example you gave at the end of the third quarter, I, I need a coach on the field rallying my guys. Like, I, I understand the guards huffing and puffing, right? He might not be super locked into situational football. CD, you know, Amari might head in the clouds. But the one guy who should be dialed is the is the quarterback. And then that moment at the end of the game, I do wonder when it's rolling for Dakota, fucking sweet. He, he was awesome last week. He can have moments. His high-end game, top six, seven player in the, you know, quarterback in the league, right? That, that type level of play last week. But over the course of the season, he's never proven that. It's why most people have him like, you know, fringe 10, right, in that range, right? Not anywhere near the elite guys like all the the three AFC guys playing this weekend if you talk to anyone that follows football and you compare Dak to Burrow Allen or Mahomes they'd laugh in your face but I do wonder and maybe we get a chance to see it again this tight game with all the marbles on the line does does he I don't want to say short circuit but like that play I hard spot right they don't have any timeouts but you run the middle of the field with that you're you're kind of fucked I I don't know what else he should have done this notion like arguing with people last week. You know, Cousins just doing what he's told to do, going through the reads, dump it off. You got to have a play call. I, to me, it's on both people. You can't have a play call on fourth and eight. I don't care if like, well, the, the flat opens up the middle of the field. You cannot call routes seven yards short of the sticks that your quarterback might throw it to on fourth and eight in the playoffs. You do that, you're going to lose. And Cousins, who is a robot, like he can't throw it there either, but like that's on the coach, that's on the quarterback. I, I think... As Jack Del Rio said one time when he looked at Derek, like, we get all the praise, we get all the blame. You, they are kind of interconnected. And this is where Mike, it's in a weird spot, right, because he's not calling the plays, but, like, Kellen, Mike, and Dak are all kind of interwoven. And, like, we know when it's Jimmy and Kyle, like, it's just those two. Like, it's on them, or now it's Brock and Kyle. You know, and that's where Mike, and I think any head coach who's an offensive head coach or defensive head coach, but he's not calling the plays, 
it's like, uh, you know, in legalities, like I get to, you know, it wasn't my deal. It wasn't, I, I, I wasn't in charge of this. It's not under my peer view. You can't sue me. And that's what it always feels like when a head coach does that move. Now, in fairness to Mike, I bet he thought when he got a, when he was going to come back, I'm going to be the play caller. And Jerry's like, you want to be the coach of the Cowboys? The little dude for boys, he's calling my plays. Yeah. But like, I, it, it kind of, it does reflect the whole operation and no different than, it does feel like the 49ers have got better at situational football. Like, has the coaching staff gotten any better since Brock, or is just Brock's better at it than you are very dependent on your quarterback, is ultimately what I'm saying. On on him, just this is the highest level, a lot of pressure. It's why we give the guys, the top guys, so much praise because it is intense. It is hard. It's why cousins, I mean, kind of folds and Dak. It's hard. Like, do you judge too much last week? Like, it was all rolling. What does it look like if that game was super tight? We'd honestly I trust Tom more. Why? Because we've seen it over and over. Yeah. This week, it's not like I trust Brock anymore, but I, Dak hasn't proven that he's any different because last week or last year, it's some pretty stupid mistakes and some pretty big moments, things that he could have controlled. So I, I heard, like, one thing I think the Niners defense is kind of getting knocked on lately and fairly so as they have some openings in the past defense like you can go get behind them and yeah. I, I think it's true like it, obviously if, if you get a elite guy on Lenore that's an advantage for you and Traverius really good player but no one he's not, he's not Revis right he, he just gave up a play to DK Metcalf but that's fucking DK Metcalf who beside like Revis Dion and maybe like Richard in his prime on a go route could he smoke any DBs ever of the last 20 years probably so i don't even think like that's that crazy of a play so it's like oh the the cowboys can get after him. well yeah with who cd that's not really his game he's more of like a keenan allen on steroids type you know physical can make but he's not a go route guy cedric wilson's gone amari who's more of a route runner but he could use his speed is not on the team anymore schultz actually can stretch the field but he's a tight end the Cowboys, the Niners do are susceptible. If you have Tyreek, DK, I, I think AJ Brown, while he's not a speed demon, can run that play. Likes, you know, throw it to me down the sideline, like a slower version of DK. I'll just fucking body you up. The Cowboys are not really built like that, I would say, to throw go routes. Yeah. You know? Cause that is a weakness of this Niners <clears throat> defense of just hitting because they're safeties. But I, yeah, I also think they're susceptible on, you know, the classic we've seen a lot with them, third and 14, and that seam ball gets them. I mean, we've seen that plenty. Or I would say they're more Schultz susceptible this to... week of Schultz than I am like CeeDee Lamb going 12 or going like a, a Devontae Adams on them. I agree. I think Schultz is terrifying for the 49ers. My conclusion is not – somebody asked, like, well, what's your conclusion? My conclusion is not, oh, the Cowboys suck or the Cowboys can't win. My conclusion is just – if Mike McCarthy plays enough of enough of these big games, I think his team's shortcomings will will come out. But you, this is just a one off. So, you know, the Kellen Moore D'Amico Ryan's matchup you're talking about. The other thing, Tony Pollard's, a, you know, they didn't play Tony Pollard last year. Tony Pollard's there now. I think a lot of Cowboy fans right. remember like, we're mad. A lot of Cowboy fans are like, why aren't we giving this guy the ball more last year? It's like yeah. Zeke's not fast anymore. And right. this year they don't. They just Zeke's their tw- 12 touchdowns, red zone guy, Tony. They feed that fucking guy the ball. He can play. So you saying you think it's a? Uh, I mean, I the the matchup D'Amico versus Kellen is interesting because it's D'Amico's. You know, he's interviewing for jobs. Kellen, 
kind of was getting the D'Amico treatment a few years ago where it was just a matter of time before he was a head coach. And it still may be, but both these guys have something to prove again, can prove something. You know, it's a win in this little chess match between the OC and the DC here. And uh, you're right. Kellen doesn't have, you know, Devonte Smith, but he's got a lot of little pieces to work with. Well, I mean, they signed T Y he's made a couple of plays. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, CD's really good. I mean, I'm not, now, I don't I don't ever view him becoming that AJ DK tier. You know, I, I think a lot of people think he's like one of those one B's or be like an elite two. And, you know, who have smoked the Niners? The elite guys, right? Devontae's kicked their ass for a couple of years now and their defense has been good. AJ Brown last year destroyed them. Now their DBs, obviously, they were it was different. DK just kicked their ass. I, I don't view one guy just being able to take over. The, like, I, I don't think CD is. I, I would be stunned if it's like a 10 for 140 day from CD Lamb. Now, which is basically what he did to the Eagles. He can get six or seven. And if Dalton Schultz gets six or seven and a touchdown, like that, that's where it starts getting a little nerve wracking. Mikey B says CD is more like Ayuk level. Yeah, I actually think Ayuk, if we get there next week, I, I think Ayuk and Devontae Smith, who Devontae clearly in high school much more heralded, or I mean, not high school, high school too, but in college, Heisman Trophy winner, just, I, I think he's more that. CD's more, to me, more of a physical, I don't even know, I'd have to think about his comp. What people were hoping like Nikhil Harry would be. Oh, Yeah. It's interesting because Nikhil never looked for a second like that guy once he got to the pros, right? Kind of a move him around. In college, they moved him all over the place. Yeah, just just a really good player. I mean, he's really good. The Niners probably would do more of that stuff with Brandon if they had to, but they don't. You know, like jet sweeps and end arounds and that kind of stuff with him. But they but, their, but their other receiver does that. Yeah, right? they, and they got two running backs that do it, and Ayuk has turned into. Ayuk, when you go back and watch last year, got open a lot in the game. I will we'll, like we can flip the offense in a second, but I, you got open a lot in the game last year. Um, no one's confusing uh, old James Garoppolo for Peyton Manning. D'Amico, uh, you just said like, uh, did you is interviewing that? currently right now with somebody? <laughs> He's actually on this show. <laughs> um, but they, the Niners have Emmanuel Mosley played well last year. Other than him, right now they got everything they want. Bosa got hurt last year in the game. Well, they hit Amari. They hit Amari had a nice touchdown in the game, right? In the Cowboy Niner yeah. game, in the playoff game, like in the like kind of a little flag route toward the pylon, pitch and catch. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty easy. Now they're DBs. Ambry, Ambry Thomas played a lot that that day too. Yeah, with Josh, correct? Josh, Josh Norman. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> he was there. But anyway, I, I just think like. The thing for D'Amico this week is what we kind of talked about in the McCarthy conversation is just, oh, D'Amico's doing a press conference right now. <laughs> we found him. Got a busy day today, guys. Just getting out the practice field, talking to you guys, then headed to, I, I got to check my schedule. Some team wants to interview me, and then I got another one tomorrow. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's speed this up, guys. D'Amico, we got an interview at two. Oh, you mean a media interview. <laughs> um, But, you know, one thing D'Amico gets this week is is a guy who will have some – you know what we were saying? I made the comment to you the other day, like on we only talk about designer blitzes. We don't talk about designer offensive plays. I think maybe that's what Kellen Moore has cooked up. I, I, I guess designer probably means they're more specific for your their opponent. It feels like Kellen's just got like a, a book of a bunch of trick plays he's waiting to pull out. And and you know, I think Mike's probably got them too. And I think they probably make McCarthy really happy. So 
Wouldn't you like trick plays if you were a coach? Of course. Of course. D'Amico brought the heat last, didn't blitz a lot last year, but he blitzed in a big spot and Dak almost hit Cedric Wilson for a big play. Um, on a you read the you read the ringer uh, D'Amico profile. No, saw it in my time. Ringer, line. yeah, it got it got it got retweeted into my time. I, I, I did a little, I yeah, I got to read it. Little, little sk- I, not, I didn't go to the website again. Just clicked on it. Was in front of my eyes. Uh, again, I mean, it's just a, I wouldn't say a puff. I just what I mean, high level guy. People are gonna blow him. You know, like him. yeah, smart guy. Um, so some impressive stuff of like. His football knowledge, and it goes back to like when he was a rookie. He was the defensive rookie of the year. His uh, when he was drafted in the second round by the Texans, the defensive coordinator—I forget who it was—or one of the defensive coaches was saying, "You know, and all of you coach for long enough, you get really smart players who come off the field, and they say, you know, your team captain, usually safety or linebacker, says like, we got to start doing this, this, and this. They're doing this. What we liked on two, Thursday, Friday, not going to work." You just work with your kind of captains, you know, like your high level intellect guys, which football one on one. He's like, never in all my years have I had a rookie come off and we'd look at each other like, didn't think of that. Yeah, let's implement in the middle of games. So you are. Kellen Moore was once jolted up like he's going to be a head coach. It's in a short period of time. D'Amico went from quality control to lapping guys like him as. As he said, I guess in his press conference right now, I'm interviewing with the Broncos later today in person. Of <laughs> just where it feels a little unlikely that he's not going to get a job, though. When you start really looking at it, he's not guaranteed a job, right? No. I, I mean, if you were Arizona, I think it would make a lot of sense to hire him if you're Arizona because you you play McVay and you play Shanahan four times a year and Shane Waldron. Like I like to me, I I'd probably. I hadn't really thought about it a ton, but I think I'd probably hire him if I were Arizona. Would he take the job? Uh, I mean, is it going to, you don't have to pay him Sean Payton, $20 million a year, but <clears throat> he turned down, a, he turned down jobs last year. Remember? Yeah, he might, he might turn it down, but I, like to me, that'd be, that would be different than turning down the Texans. I know Kyler feels like an albatross, but he's played Kyler. I, he played in the NFL. Like D'Amico just played the NFL. He knows how to handle a locker room. He knows. He how came to out and people. said that the Texans thing. He's interviewing with them. Like, Why he's not? not? But yeah, I just mean like, I'm with you. If I, it makes if you're Arizona, he makes. How's he not in your? He should be a finalist. It's like, yeah, you're already in our finalist. Who would you have above him right now? Uh, Brian Flores, maybe, who's been a head coach, also defensive mind, and a dick. Like I, I think you just kind of need someone in Kyler's ass. Because you're 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 in the boat with Kyler for years, so it's right. you know someone that, that maybe make break Kyler and make him quit. <laughs> Is that the idea? Yeah, not a terrible idea. Maybe um, Demico's just too nice to him. What do you think of this? I mean, I you know it's it's the more I think about it, it's just a cool young coordinator matchup, like two guys that get a lot of attention. Obviously, Demico is kind of on yeah. his own, but it's a good one. I think it's a big day for Kellen too, because last year <clears throat> I think they were, they might've been the best offense in the league. They were one of them. I know they were, they were the best offense in the league last year. And to be down 23 to seven going in the fourth quarter, like D'Amico kind of took his fucking lunch and the Niners defense, while it was really good, was not viewed like it is right now. So a team that I would say defense was a huge part of their operation, getting in the playoffs, the defense and Debo, but D'Amico took the guy's lunch, 
And you could argue that moment has kind of derailed the Kellen Moore hype train. And D'Amico's jolted. And I would say this year, he was spoken about like top defensive candidate, right? And just one of the bright young coaches in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think D'Amico Ryans is held even higher standard, just like the way people talk about him, than like 15 head coaches as well. Like people just super high character, super high level football level, elite coach, just the total package. Like inevitable, this guy's, whatever he chooses to do it, like he's coming. He's going to be, as long as he wants to do it. Isn't it funny that like publicly with D'Amico, it's so obvious now, but it was just a couple of years ago. He was just the Niners inside linebacker coach for two years. He was their quality control coach for a year. He was just three years kind of anonymously on their coaching. Well, that, that's what the ringer, the article was basically like D'Amico's entire career has been about other people's predictions. Like early on, it was like, this guy's the smartest football player I've ever seen as a rookie. And he went on to be that right as his career. Kyle Shanahan, when he was a quality control coach, it's only a matter of time before D'Amico is a position coach. When he's a position coach, it's only in these are quotes, real quotes from Kyle. It's only a matter of time till he's a defensive coordinator. He's a defensive coordinator. It's inevitable D'Amico Ryan's going to be a head coach. Like his whole career has been people predicting the next step for D'Amico, and they've never been proven wrong. Good guy to bet on. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And it is. so, yeah. Uh, I tell you this, if he holds the Cowboys to 17 points again, it doesn't ch- everyone's already all in on D'Amico. There's no extra D'Amico hype, but that'd be pretty good. For sure. That'd be pretty good. Uh flip it. Brock Purdy. Dan Quinn. Uh Brock Purdy is coming off. This is uh per the 49ers, the most passing yards by a rookie quarterback in a playoff game in NFL history. Here's the list. Russell Wilson, 375 yards against Atlanta in 2013. Sammy Baugh, 335 yards at Chicago in 1937. And then Brock Purdy, 332 yards against the Seahawks last week. So that's the guy going up against uh, Dan Quinn. The flip side, give you one Cowboy defensive stat. The Cowboys are number two in the NFL in sack rate. 8% of their pass rushes or dropbacks result in sacks. Only Philly actually is better. Philly's number one in the league in sack rate. So you could, you beat the Cowboys, you be a good task because you're going to get your good preparation because Philadelphia gets a sack on 11% of dropbacks. So that's the matchup. A guy who threw for over 300 yards last week doesn't necessarily want to do it that way <clears throat> against what's turned out to be one of the most productive pass rushes in the NFL this year. Second most. I had someone ask me, do you think that it's a negative, like it, it would tire them that they had 66 pass rushes last year or last week? Excuse me. Yeah, interesting. I was thinking, well, I, I think half of them, once you up big and you just, I, I actually think it's kind of fun and easy for defensive linemen. Like, I, I don't think, I actually think running the ball, and I think Kyle and Harbaugh would agree. I, I not only take your will, I wear you out. I don't wear Hassan Reddick or Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa's like, if you just told them for an entire half, every single play is a five or seven step drop, I don't think they would get tired. I mean, obviously you would not be the same, but I'm just saying they they would sign up for that or you're playing the mid Cowboys offensive line, Emmett Smith, they're going to run it every single play. It's much more difficult that way. Don't you, you agree? I, well, yeah, I do agree. Cause I think if we went and watched every, if you're up 
And they were up three scores. You're up three scores. Uh, and I don't think it's any shame of this. Game's hard. You're not pass rushing 100% every time. Especially you know, not like, the D tackles. Max effort every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're, you, let's just rotate guys in and, and pass rush. So I agree with you. I think that uh, uh, had that game been, you know, 17 14 and, you know, the Bucks don't run the football. So in that way, it's. Well, not- and, and think about that. Obviously, the 49ers are a very, very good. I mean, scheme wise, I think many people in the league would say they're the best at it. And when it's rolling, they're impossible to beat. When they rush the ball effectively, they're going to beat you under Kyle Shanahan since they've been good in 19. I was doing some market research, listening to some Cowboy content, looking around. The Cowboys inactives on Monday night, multiple big-body defensive tackles. Well, they didn't need them. Why? Because Tampa, obviously, they ended up throwing 66 times, but you know they're going to throw. They are not a running team because they can't run it. So they have some bodies that, depending on who they're playing, they can activate more pass rushing defensive linemen or multiple D tackles that Matt Mosley, who I listened to, who covered the Cowboys for fucking decades, says, I'll be stunned if Quentin Bohana and Neville Gallimore are not up this week. But they didn't need him against Tampa. Good fucking recon, Middlecoff. Which makes sense. Now, I'm not yeah, saying baseball. this. It's like a baseball team. Like your 100%. Lineup, your right-handed lineup. It's not Sean Gilbert or, you know, some some all-time great defensive run stuffer. But still, like, that. Just, uh, you're right. It's very baseball, like, uh, playoff series. Who's up? Who's down? It makes sense. I would guess at minimum one of those. No lefties if, in the bullpen this week. If not two of them are up. So they'll play because you have to play the 49ers more to run. The 49ers are going to establish a run. What? How did that game start last year? Started running the ball down the Cowboys' throat. Because what were they establishing? We're fucking tougher than you. And we're going to break you. Because we don't think you're that mentally tough. But physically, you do have some tough players. But we're going to prove that we're tougher than you. And they did. And I would imagine, Kyle, I will be stunned. It was honestly a little stunning on... Saturday afternoon when Kyle just came out like throwing it like he had Patrick Mahomes, which I don't blame him, but it was raining and Purdy's ball, balls going all. I'm not saying, and I'm pro throwing the ball in general. I would, I would be prepared for some runs and, and starting because this is the way to ease Brock into the game. Cause they didn't ease Brock into that playoff game. No, no. I bet that they run some power stuff right at number 11 and wherever number 11 is, I would be stunned be if Kyle right doesn't side. have some, he's going to be on the right side. Yeah. I don't think he's going to waste many snaps on the left side. So he'll be on the right side. We're running the ball at him early enough. If you tell me they went three and out on the first series and went three straight runs to the right, that's very believable. Because the one advantage McGlinchey is going to have against Micah Parsons is he can't run block. McGlinchey is a big guy. He's a good run blocker. Put Kittle over there. You're you're hearing it here first. No inside information. First play of the game, run to the right at Micah, at Micah Parsons. And honestly, wouldn't be stu- wouldn't be shocked if the first several plays are runs because that is a fuck you. We're running down your throat, Mike and Dan. Yeah, because the watching the Eagles Cowboy game uh, on that Christmas Eve, I think the Cowboys would rather kind of have some herky jerky, spread it around, like play like that, like the the Bucks. It's going to be pass fest both sides, and that's what the Cowboys want to do: run some of their trick plays. They don't want to get into this like. Body blow after body blow after body blow. What Jim Harbaugh has done to Ohio State the last couple of years. And Kyle has gotten away from that a little bit. Don't blame him. It's been working. 
I think it's it's gonna get back. You saw the 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 thing that went viral of McCaffrey getting some D and and Usechek working on a swing. Those two were just obviously they spend time together because they're in the same meeting room. But it's like I bet it's a game like McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell down your fucking throat, Mike. Yeah. And Dan, I mean that's can you stop us? And I, I keep an eye on though an inactive list that Neville and Quinton are up. Okay. Or whoever the better group is, because no, I, that's going to be, you know, kind of a fascinating. You only have so many pitches because we talked about their run defense has kind of been hit or miss throughout the year. You got to add some bigger guys, right? Because you're not. Kyle would swan dive off the Golden Gate before he ever had a playoff game where he threw it 66 times. That That is that is a Kyle. That's a Shanahan family nightmare, right? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, football's a guy's life, and his nightmare is literally throwing it 60-plus times a game. And you'd argue how many games in the history of sports, in the of a sport of football, non like Mike Leach, 66 times in a big game, college or pro, is going to be successful, right? Besides some crazy college no, shootout. I, Even you could throw college out, but definitely pro football. I, You know, we were talking about the other day. I, I think you're, by and large, your 350-yard passing games I'm not going to say there. I, I bet you lose more of those games than you think you do. You know, I mean, like if we went and researched 350 yard passing games, I probably a little lose. skewed these last several years. I think it's gotten a little, I would say in the history of the league though. In the history of the league, but I would bet even, yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a thought, but two things to me and listen, it's old school thinking. You know, some would say, you know, running the ball, obviously the analytical community wants you to throw it all the time. I, I do think the two things that always translate, and any good old school football guy would tell you who has been in the trenches for big games. Run running the ball and good defense always works in big games. Always. Because what does running the ball do? It slows down the game. And listen, it let's just say Dak continues his great game. So he's just playing at a super high level. You're getting Dak. Back-to-back games of the best of he's ever had. Well, what does running the ball do? Keep him off the field, right? They did that last year against the Packers. You just slow down the game. And then you rely, when they get limited amount of possessions, on the area that's carried you a lot, a large percentage, until Brock Purdy showed up, the defense. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the other thing, it, it, it when you run the ball for four quarters, you are banking on in the fourth quarter, it's going to be easier for you to run the ball than it was in the first quarter. And hasn't Kyle been outspoken like we call plays for the big picture? Yeah, so you you are you know at the end of the game if you've got the lead. This this is where Kyle, right? The the thing the stat of him having the lead or not having the lead going to the fourth quarter. Do you expect them to come out throwing like they did last game? Um that wasn't weird because it clearly is an advantage, but it was weird. It was weird because it was pouring rain. And yeah. Brock airmailed the first one. Now Kyle maybe would argue was like, I just want to get a few out of them. And then we can settle into the game. I don't want to wait till the third series and he's got one pass attempt or something like that. I could see do you, that. Do you have to settle now game two of the playoffs or is it like he settled? He played a playoff game. Boy, I don't know, man. I I still think you might need to settle a little bit. Dallas Cowboys at home. This is a different animal. I agree. I, I'd say, I I'd say you settle on the road. I, I, flat to start the game last week. The what? I thought the Niners did like just as a team were not did not quite look like themselves in the first half. I mean, obviously, it was they were trailing, but I thought they just didn't quite have the juice they might have had if they were the six seed playing a three seed last week. 
We're up 10 nothing. Part of it, yeah, part of it, I know. I just thought, like, they did not get after the quarterback, really, in the first half, like they did in the second half. Part of it, they've played, they've just been on. I think when you win a bunch of games like this and you don't have to win the ones you're winning at the end, I think it just... I agree. It's not the same as the way they got into the postseason last year. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, fair. They, they they came out with their hair on fire differently last year against the Cowboys than they did in start to finish in the half against the against the Seattle Seahawks for sure. Here's the other thing with Brock. Heavy favorites in that game too. It's a little weird. Heavy favorite. The other thing I think in terms of like just settling in, Dallas is just better. Dallas's defense is more disruptive. Dallas's defense is faster. Dallas's defense has the best player in the league that he could possibly face because Nick Bose is on his team. So I think from that standpoint, it's just you got to settle into this. It, maybe it's not settle into the playoffs, but it is settle into this game against yeah. this team that's going to try and get after his ass and going to try and make him look the way he looked at the end of the at the end of the Seattle half. Well, well one thing that he hasn't that he didn't have to deal with last week that everyone has to deal with when they're playing Nick, right? And everyone had to deal with J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack forever. Is where Purdy's eyes. The first thing he does is like, "Where's number 11? And like you said, it's gonna be pretty easy. He's gonna you just look. Where's McGlinchey? <laughs> number eleven. He's you don't have to look Trent side. And, and he snapped that Dan Quinn put eleven over seventy one. Even trying to, and I bet there's a rep or two because they're big on like keeping you honest, right? But it's probably a waste. Is this a keep you honest game or is this a what are we doing? Right. <laughs> you don't have snaps to waste. Because there were some times in the Eagle game watching that Christmas Eve where Malata, their Eagles left tackle, the rugby player, is now really good. You know, he he'll obviously he can rush for both sides, but so you just keep an eye on your right side, which I, I've said I, I do think it benefits that you are looking that way naturally, right? It's easy to kind of just move your eyes to see if McGlinchey's missed them. <laughs> Because that's going to happen, right? There is going to be one of those plays where he just, assuming Kittle or Juszczyk's not there, that Mike whiffs. I mean whiffs. And honestly, it could happen. One thing Quinn has done, <clears throat> and any good defensive coordinator with their salt, you can line up a guy like that over a guard. It could be Burford. It could be Brendel. Right. It could be fucking Banks. Probably not Banks because Trent could just throw his arm over there. It'd probably be the center to the right. But more than likely, they're going to whiff. Remember there was a was it Brock's was Donald that whiffed last year? They whiffed on Donald. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, Donald. It was it was Aaron Donald. Um, you you don't think they want to move Mike into his backside at all to Brock's spin side? Yeah, but Trent just block him. Or you just say, hey, he's a great player too. Maybe you could beat him. Yeah, I mean, Trent's been. What would you say over under reps? Eleven lines up over seventy one. I I'd I'd say. Uh, what number 60, 60 snaps? Under? Yeah, I, I'm thinking, what number would I have to give you for you to take the under? Uh, would you take the under on three and a half? The highest I'd go is five. Five. Schwan on the stream says, I see run heavy the first few, then a shot to Danny Gray. Been setting that one up all year. You know what Danny Gray's Instagram account is? Uh, six to the house. Close. Can't guard five. Oh, he's number five. <laughs> I thought it was six to the house. He six. is six, but oh, I, I I wonder if his college oh. number was five. I knew can't guard five. <laughs> six to the house was so good. That was close. Can't guard, can't guard five. five. Can't guard five. 
I'm sure he would have liked that for Twitter. It must be taken because it's just it's a normal Danny Gray. Yeah, can't guard five. Man, say this a- about Danny Gray. I, I think deep down, he's told people close to him, like, I think within the next year, I will be in the mix right there with Ayuk and Debo on this offense. Right? Well, and that might be extreme. <laughs> I think the fact that he plays special teams, he's got a shot. When You're I, right. He did have a good tackle last I game. I think he's got I, – I, I was like, I think he's got some shit to him when I saw him make that special teams tackle. The other I agree. Day. And John Lynch does like him. Um, what a big game for Brock Purdy, man. Just. Who doesn't get any bigger? He's playing the Dallas Cowboys at home as the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. It's as big as he gets. I saw somebody, uh, um, Bear, you know, the researcher from College Game Day. Chubby Ball guy, yeah. He he tweeted like every time he went through the whole thing, but it was like they must have done some Iowa State games. He must like them because he was like every time. First they said Brock, we'll see if he can do this next week. Then they said we'll see if he can do this next week. Then they when are we just going to accept that he's a good quarterback? And Herbie retweeted and it's like exactly. And I, I, you know, look, we have talked Brock up a lot. I, I lo- it's incredible. This is this is it really. I was texting John the other day. I was like, it is pretty mind blowing when you consider where the season was when it started. All the things I was just logging our highest viewed videos in history. And like the last several months have been a high percentage of them. And it's like, you know, the McCaffrey trade. Obviously, it's it, it like you go back to trade the draft night a few years, but the McCaffrey trade, some of the Brock Purdy stuff. And it's insane. I don't think Brock has played enough that like we we're just we stop checking off all these little markers along the way of his career. And usually you have to play longer than he's had to play to get the opportunity to check all these things off. Right. Like quarterback, a a division clinching win check quarterback, a playoff win check quarterback, a rivalry home playoff game check i guess he did that last week too now this dallas game where you know what i'm really interested to see is what kind of game is required of brock purdy to win you know is a is is 285 passing yards required of him in order to win this game i think if you go back if you use last year as any barometer and and when we went through some of the mccarthy stuff earlier that to me that was just about like mike not so much last year's game versus this year's game but like if you use last year game to some degree and just historically what it has taken for the Niners to win in the postseason. The reason the Cowboys got back in that game is because the Niners actually gave, got a little unhinged in the second half offensively. Like Jimmy threw a bad pick. The Niners, Jimmy missed. It was I was actually a little surprised. I'd forgotten the play rewatching the game. The Niners have a third and 11. And I think Kyle's just going to sit on the ball. And he doesn't. He lets Jimmy after Jimmy's pick. He lets Jimmy throw. And you might remember he gets Ayuk wide ass open. Ayuk ends up in like Odell Beckham mode, trying to one hand a ball along the sideline. That you know the debate was: Did Ayuk break it too flat? Should Jimmy not have led him down the sideline? But anyway, it's incomplete. My point is, the Niners taking care of the football and hitting open plays. They don't end up in that finish with Dallas that they ended up in last year. So the recipe is. To this well, point, one major difference of the two quarterbacks is one guy, his down in a 60-minute game was really ugly. Brock's down has not been that bad. And his high has been higher than Jimmy in terms of explosive play. So it's like he's a better quarter. Like, wouldn't I mean they were just upgraded quarterback from that version of Jimmy and this version of Brock? Like Brock's better. 
Brock's so a better player. Yeah, he has been so far. He is. He is. But you don't. You know, he missed. He missed a couple of these before. Like, you just don't get that many shots to hit the guy wide open and ice the game. Um, if I told you though, Jimmy Garoppolo wide open Ayuk, Brock Purdy wide open Ayuk, a thousand dollars. Who you place your bet on? I'm I'm putting it on Brock. But Jimmy's hit it too. That's my point. Is like they've won these games. I'm not acting like Jimmy is some shitty fucking Mike Glennon here. But Will he be there on the sideline for the game, Josh? Well, yeah, he's just in the locker room with Trey. Who did you see he posted some of these when Rand Carson got the job? Oh, I did. He did three that. of these. I, I saw. I saw him in a boot with like a cane walking to the Niners locker room the other day. Will Trey Lance be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans next year? Great question. Um, Coming up uh, February 27th. <laughs> Are we off that week? No, we're back that week. Um, I, I'm just saying the recipe is simple. The recipe is not have to throw for 300. So it'll. I'm just very interested to see. But also there's a difference of like, to me, 300 and I, don't, I forget the exact length of it, 65 yards or 60 yards or 70 yards. Debo hit it. They hit a slant and he took it to the house, right? Last week. So yards sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Y- you know, and this is where it's like, yeah, Brock was awesome, but some of the yards, and this is with any quarterback, no different than I've seen Dak have some picks. Remember when they lost the Jags? The pick he threw for the pick six at the end of the game went off his fucking wide receiver's numbers, right? And yeah. landed in number two's hands, and he took right. it to the house. Right. So it's like not all picks are the same. So it's just... Just like not all 350 yards are the same. Like I, Peyton Manning's had 300-yard games that are just like, that was surgical. Some guys have had 280-yard games where two of them are two 65-yard plays. I mean, that's 120 right there. And I think Brock – and the Niners always benefit from that, right? Their offense is very predicated on get the ball in the hands of a couple guys, Debo mainly, but Kittle. If Kittle has a 90-yard game – I would say on average, any Kittle game over 90 yards, 40% are coming with after the ball's in his hands of those yards, right? Ayuk would be a guy right now that his yards are true. If you if you throw 100 yards, eight catches, 100 yards, a lot of those are down the field. Mm-hmm. But Debo and Kittle specifically, a lot of those are, they get a lot after the catch yards. Ayuk can as well. I'm not saying he can't, but, you know. So it's just, I think sometimes yards can be kind of, you know, arbitrary based on the individual game. And I think Brock's a little bit last week were at times with, like, to me. The Sammy Ball game game in 37? Is that what you're about to say? Well, like, last week's a good example, right? He has two touchdown throws, two running backs that are kind of dump-offs. They were both really impressive passes in place, right? Yeah. And the one to... Mitchell, I think, was, I mean, one of the most impressive plays of the day. But if you just look on a box screen, you're like, uh, what does he throw a wheel route? A guy walks in the end zone? No, you watch the play, right? So it's just saying it goes both ways, yeah. Football really needs to be put in context on an individual basis. No different than the Cowboy game. You watch it, you go, final score, 23-17. This was a hell of a game. But when you actually dive into it, you're like, well, Niners are kicking their ass, and they kind of imploded at the end. It really start to finish. That was not a good Cowboy game, right? And remember, after the game, people were devastated. Like, what the fuck was that? Because the Niners were huge underdogs, came in, kicked, hit them right in the teeth. Yep. And if it wasn't for a Jimmy pick, but this gets back to 
everyone's acting like Miami and Buffalo were close, and the score was. Skylar Thompson did not throw four touchdowns on the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills outgained them by over 200 yards. The New York Giants outgained the Minnesota Vikings by 100 yards. They thoroughly, both teams outplayed them. But what keeps games close in the playoffs and most times, but definitely in the playoffs? Turnovers, turnover, turnovers. Josh threw two picks and he had a fumble six. If you tell me Brock throws four touchdowns, but throws two picks, I'd be like, it could be a tie game in the fourth quarter. Yep. Right. If you tell me he has four touchdowns, no picks, I'm like, Niners by 18 plus. Yeah, I know. Well, and that's, I guess you, you know, you make me think the other interesting thing is just Kyle. Like this Kyle, one of the things we've talked about with Brock being the quarterback is how. Kyle's kind of come back out of his shell a little bit. It feels like when it comes to the passing game, does he do more than he needs to? Does he try to get cute? I don't know. I don't think so. He generally doesn't try to get, but sometimes they try to get too cute. It happens from time to time with the Niners and not a lot, not like the Cowboys. It just occasionally it pops up. Like I'd say, honestly, last year was an example against Dallas. They put Trent Williams in motion to run a quarterback sneak that's going to end the, end the game and the Cowboys are not going to get the ball back. Why is Trent, Trent Williams ends up not being set in time? The 49ers snap the ball. It's an illegal shift, and the Cowboys get the ball but, back. But, but they ran Trent in motion the following week to get an enormous first down, remember? Yeah, well, then they did it again, and it didn't work. Remember that? Kyle really wanted to show everyone that they could put Trent in motion. The second time he did, the first time he did it with Trent, it was cool. The second time he did it with Trent, it felt a little gratuitous. Yeah, it felt it. It, it was felt, too much. Felt overkill. Yeah, it was overkill. So I would say the juice option play. Uh, that wasn't that a broken play? Did we determine that was not? I, I don't know. I would say no Trent in motion. Just leave him at left tackle and utilize him by running behind him. Yeah, you can't. He can only be in one place at once. So just just, just let him stay set and move human beings. I think. Jimmy, the stat, I think Jimmy was almost perfect or perfect on like sneaks. Like Jimmy had not been stopped. Just we're talking about an inch here a yard. Just let's just you guys train to be muscly. They don't. Their interior linemen were on the inactive list last week. Jimmy's a better QB sneaker than Brock. Brock's much, a little unsure much, about it. <laughs> a little unsure and just smaller. Yeah. But the push, but that's where the push is key. That's where the push is key. <laughs> Brock's. A lot of Brock's strength comes from the comes from juice. What about quarterback Brock. sneak shift Trent behind Brock? Little risky. Trent could hurt Brock, so uh, I don't know if I'd want him shoving. <laughs> Can oh you imagine God, if Purdy got Brock? hurt? If Purdy got hurt on Trent Williams shoving him from behind, like just broke his rib, <laughs> lifting him up like Simba over the pile. I wonder if we eventually get a quarterback injured that way on a push behind, like a running back rams into him. If you go look at Brock's last sneak. Last week, it was pretty physical. Yeah, pretty violent. Who got, it's a violent play to begin with. Who else got clocked in the head on a sneak last week? Quarterback got, I think it was Dale Jones. Gets just forearm shiver to the face, like ripping his head back. Might have been. No, Eric Kendricks grabbed his face and ripped it was him Kendrick. back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought it was Kendricks, yeah. so didn't. It looked like he could have shattered his back. Anyone listening to this, including me and you, our bones are broken, right? Because he kind of he stopped and Kendrick bends him back. He's already over the line. I just remember going like, God, I couldn't. You, you know, people always say like, uh, could you pick up a yard in the NFL? If I gave you a big hole, could you pick up a yard? What about this question? If I gave you the ball, you get the ball at the line where the, no, no, where you the get opening it, is? Where the running back is. <laughs> yeah. 
what about this one? You get three straight carries to ice a football game. You just have to not fumble. Could you not fumble when everyone, because if you go back again, just watch the Niner Cowboy game from last year, Elijah Mitchell and Romo's going, they got to try and get the ball out. And he is just getting destroyed. Vander Ash and Parsons. And these guys are just punishing him. Could you not fumble? I, no, I, I'd say the average just male. What would you say between like 30? Because you couldn't do like 60 year olds. Like you just take your peak physical, whatever you're like 20. The average 32. athletic non division one football 32. player. Yeah. 26 year old. Bet it. I, I think, I think all it takes is one whiff by an O lineman or untouched linebacker and you are fucked. I think at collision, the ball's flying. Without even them trying to rip it out, you're saying. I, I think you know how when guys uh, get concussed and they immediately or or rip a knee and the, they just let go of the ball. Yeah, I think the average peak male non-division one athlete when they got hit by Fred, Micah Parsons, right, Hassan Reddick, just full on that collision, you're just going like this naturally. So I think immediate fumble. I think you're right. And I also think the five points of pressure, which all you'd be, you'd be YouTube in it. You'd be ready. I think the moment Micah Parsons or whoever did the rip move, that ball flies to the Jerry. I think it goes fast. <laughs> what are the five points? Like, uh, what's well, the tip? It's the side. It's the arm. I don't know. <laughs> five points of pressure. <laughs> I don't think there's been enough. Like, uh, I guess sports science could do this. Brinkus. I don't know if it'd quite work Coming on like back. a big J athletic article, but like a, a YouTube deep dive on just talk to a bunch of running backs about, you know, how hard it is. Like, God, they feel like I was really close to let that thing go. You know, you know, like when you're carrying something to the dinner table and you're maybe your hands, you just wash your hands or something and you like almost dropped. You're like, Whoa, how often they think like get back to the huddle. Like, God damn, that thing almost came out right there. Maybe a Brinkus <laughs> is coming back. I think the sports science or whatever. Trent Dilfer. Hmm. I think Trent Dilfer was involved with Brinkus back in the day. Oh, or was something. he? Yeah. I don't know what Brinkus has been doing. <clears throat> I, I think you get one of those gigs. You know, it's like, uh, see the Bachelor season's coming back. You hit a couple of them, you make some big cash, and then you just, you got a lot of free time on your hands. Maybe. I don't know. I told, I, I told you, I was at the Brinkus, the sports science studio one time, years ago, when I did that audition for UFC Live. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they got all their shit set up, you know, like all, all the little stuff they used. Uh, and then they, bring, they, ever, call, the they ever call you back for they the uh, UFC me, Live? They ever call me back for UFC Live? Oh, I, I hope that tape, that audition tape never sees the light of day. It's like, did probably, you call it with like, uh, oh, it wasn't Gormier? an event. It was, it's a show. It was a daily show, UFC Live. John oh. Anik told somebody that he thought I, did, I could do it only because Anik used to come on. You know John Anik? He's like the main UFC guy now. I know John Anik, yeah. He used to come on my producer in Fresno, the radio show. We're talking like 2008, 9, 10. Was a big UFC guy, so he'd bring Anik on. And I would just fucking... I would, for an hour, I would cram for these Anik interviews. Because the UFC was cool. I wanted to sound cool. I thought it was cool to like know about the UFC. I didn't know shit. But for the hour, I would cram for Anik. And so Anik thought I knew my shit. <clears throat> I did not. So one day I got a call from some producer. He has been like, "Hey, John Anik gave us your number. Uh, we think uh, he, he said we should we should uh, have you audition for UFC Live." It's like, oh, I, yeah, I'd love to do it. Like, I will right, we'll drive on down to Burbank on a Friday. So I got down to Burbank, and they give me the script when I show up, and uh, 
I think I've told you I still have the script somewhere. It is. <laughs> and you sit down and you like, they're like, all right, uh, let's, let's read the, uh, we'll have you read the script for the audition. I have it. It's October 30th, 2011. I just put in my email. <clears throat> coming up on and <clears throat> coming up on MMA Live. Don't be scared, homie. Nick Diaz is back in the UFC for the first time in five years, but standing in his way is former champion BJ Penn. Why the prodigy could be primed to ruin the return. And Matt Mitrione played in the NFL, but is meathead ready for the MMA prime time? Or will he be put back in check by Congo? MMA Live starts now. Did MMA Live ever get off the ground? That ever happened? Ground, it was a daily show on ESPN. Anik ended up hosting it. Because <laughs> they couldn't find anybody. I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody. I think. I could be wrong. And then they uh, they run through. There's like, I got a whole rundown here. But that was the tease. And I remember sitting there in like a suit, <clears throat> oversized. It's, it's just like a, a camera, a couple people. And I read this tease. And I remember reading that and going, I, there's no way I'm getting this job. <laughs> Like hearing it come out of my own mouth and thinking, I have no chance. Yeah. They know I'm a fraud. Well, there's a level of <laughs> you can't fake reading BJ Penn like you're saying, you know, LeBron James or Patrick right. Mahomes. Yeah. Right. There is a level of confidence when you're talking like Verlander versus Judge coming up next that you just like, I know this sport. I know these people. It's like, you think Chuck Liddell? Let me introduce you to John Williamson. You're like, who the fuck? What am I talking about? Totally. I'm just looking. I don't remember this, but apparently uh, there's a part where now joining us for the first time in a long time, it's our esteemed international correspondent, the Daily Telegraph, Gareth Davies. Gareth, now neither guy seemed thrilled to be facing one another. What's the dynamic between these two? Well, how much time, if I told you in 2026 when the World Cup comes, I'm going to hire you at ABC or whatever to call some World Cup games. Is there any amount of games you could do leading up to the World Cup where you would feel confident doing the World Cup like you would be like, hey, you're going to do the NFL next year. It'd be a big deal, but like you've called football games. This is- you could tell me to do NFL game. Like you could call me on Saturday night and say, I, 700 people are sick, Niners, Cowboys. I would be fine. You're telling me, you give me how many, three, two, three years to get ready well, for soccer? It's coming in 26, I think. Uh, there's no way, right? There's because there's a well, level of just understanding not, the sport. Yeah, I would need to. Do, it would be a it would be a daily task for three years, I think, of preparation. But but here's the thing, and this gets to like Brock Purdy and instincts. You could you could be prepared as well as you possibly could, right? It would never be the same of your institutional right. knowledge of just watching right. basketball, football, and baseball your entire life since you were old enough to turn on the television, right? right. And there is it's why. Like last night, we went to uh, dinner with Maria's cousin, who is the second ranked. I don't know if he, he's injured right now. He's like late 20s tennis player for Greece. And he's like, you know, in the country or in the world, he's like 500. His peak was like 300. And there's just a level like I, all I could talk about is like, you ever read the Agassiz book? And he did. He speaks like broken English, Greece. He's from Greece. He grew up in Greece, went to Portland State and then just pro tour. And you're just finding out about the sport, which, listen, I mean, it's tennis, pretty big sport. I know that Rafa, do you see that clip of Rafa? Have you watched the Drive to Survive no, tennis no. with Alyssa? Oh, no. I well, there, there was a clip. Uh, I did see the clip. Yeah, it was sweet, and I told him about Explain it. Explain the clip, sorry. I... The clip is Drive to Survive, 
obviously they're doing golf and they did one for tennis. And in the tennis clip, he's playing in the Australian Open final against some random guy, clearly. And uh, Rafa, before the match, starts like going full Bray Lewis, like linebacker, like running up and down, doing some grunts. And the headline of the clip was Rafa won this final before the fucking match even started. And I asked him last night, I'm like, what did like Federer or Djokovic do? He's like, well, Federer just stands there. He doesn't even care. You know, everyone's wired differently. Like Rafa's the perfect guy for that clip because Federer does not do that before the match. He, now he doesn't necessarily need to, but he that's not his style. But my point is like, I know a decent amount about like seven guys in the history of tennis, right? Agassi, Sampras, the five guys of the last 20 years. That's it. I don't really break point. I've played... But I do not like soccer, tennis, like I could just feel comfortable talking the main sports, right? <laughs> You're just, I've been watching it my whole life. That, and that's where football coaches, like they do football, like the average sports fans listening to this. They might not watch all the baseball games anymore, all the basketball games. But if you're our age or older, you have a pretty good knowledge of our main three sports. Someone DM'd me the other day, like, why don't people talk about hockey? Like the national people. I think his question was like, what would it take to get Colin Coward to talk about hockey? I'm like, or just anyone of his ilk. I'm like, well, on the most basic level, they don't watch it. I don't watch it. He doesn't watch it. Dan Patrick, nobody watches it beside a small percentage of people. So he's not going to watch it. People stop seeing it. It's not even on. And honestly, like certain, you could argue certain sports, football is the only sport I would now consider kind of universal. Like, Basketball is not niche in the sense there's so millions of people watching, but relative to football, like if you're watching every basketball game, you're different than even the majority of casual sports fans. Now, obviously, baseball is the same thing. Or football, like you could talk to most people about the San Diego Charger game on Saturday night. And it just gets back to like no different than what he was saying in Greece. Because I was like, you know, when I went to Europe in college in 06 for like 30 days, it was crazy how big and in Spain – Rafa was a young star then, like how big tennis is. Like tennis is huge in Europe, but he's like, it's not that big in Greece. Soccer is big, but in Spain, in France, like in England, tennis is huge, right? Like soccer is number one, but like golf, tennis and racing, some of the other, like the way football, basketball, are. like you meet a big sports fan in like the UK, they could probably like have a very good feel for obviously soccer, but then like tennis, golf and, and F1. Right, they would be dialed into F one, where a lot of people now act like they watch F one. They don't know it like they would like the fucking Mets lineup, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so you know, it, it's it's why what's his name, the dude they called hockey forever, the famous who's the main guy. Oh yeah, with the great uh, uh, vocabulary. Yeah, and, and now uh, is it uh, isn't, doesn't Sean McDonough plays a big role? Like he's done hockey for a he's long time. Years. Uh, and with Susan does a lot of it. He's done it for years. But they, I, I would guess deep. Like, I pretty, wouldn't you guess that they're a pretty big hockey? Like they like hockey. Yeah, they're from the Northeast. Been, from the Northeast. Like, why is Jim Nance good at golf? Well, he fucking been playing his whole life. He didn't just, it wasn't just handed to him. Like you want to get in on golf. He's like right. a college golfer. It comes naturally to him. Yep. You know, all I'm saying is you're at a disadvantage. <laughs> Are you still friends with what's his name? The US Anik? I haven't talked yeah. to him in a while. I haven't talked to him in, a, in several years, but I, I, you know, over the years, I would just send him a text here or there. 
So I'm why you want me to pass a message along? No, I just I, just pretty genius. Did he, do you think he just liked it or just kind of randomly? Wanted I think to he's going. No, I think he's a big MMA guy. Has been at it for years. Is that what you mean? Yeah, but like probably liked fighting when he was young. Oh yeah, I bet he's. I bet I bet he'd like. Oh yeah, I used to watch all the Hoist Gracie tapes. Exactly. Like Kellerman was big into boxing. Right. Like lo- boxing was a passion for his. Like people in this country love basketball or baseball. You know, like loves the fight. Chris Mannix. Like you ever just listen to Chris Mannix randomly? Like if you're just watching TV and he's doing a hit, like a boxing hit, the dude knows like Mad Dog talking tennis. Mad Dog talking tennis. Exactly. They fucking love it. You got to because you got to keep up with it. Those sports are just the way we could talk about like, fuck, where do you think CJ Stroud is going in the draft? They're talking about like the next middle heavyweight in fighting, you know? Oh. All right. Uh, what else? Oh, I saw Stetson Bennett's. Uh, I asked you. You said you saw it as well. Stetson Bennett's. Uh, I was late to this party, I guess, but his his post parade speech. Uh, very weird. Very weird. No, he's no Brock Purdy. I don't. I think Brock would have had a better speech than uh, Stetson. That Stetson. Totally still, agree. No one's told me yet what his degree is in. What he what he graduated with. Can we give them some love? Go ahead. I saw Mike Brown. Uh, follow Sacramento the, Kings. Follow the Sacramento Kings Turn on Instagram. West. It's a comment. And, uh, and Mike Brown came up on my timeline today. Davis, I get, great Utah baseball assistant coach. Uh, his his long lost cousin Mike Brown, who's now the oh, head the coach Kings. of the, the Kings honestly, head coach. I thought you were talking about our Mike. <laughs> no, Brown. yeah, Mike Brown, the head coach of the Kings, and they they beat the Lakers last night. And a, uh, like a Let's Go Kings chant broken out, and he kind of laughed. He's like, you know, we've gotten some of these this year. Obviously, having the best season in you know decade and a half, he's like sometimes when they happen a little early in the game, I get nervous. <laughs> you know, we haven't been doing this long enough to just we ain't, this isn't the Kevin Durant Warriors guys. Let's just let's keep winning these games. But they are I haven't really watched them play, so I'd be lying. But they are twenty five and uh, twenty five and eighteen, and in third currently, they're having a remarkable like it's going to take a pretty big implosion. Like they're going to the playoffs, guy. And Every remember, uh, was it last year? The Seattle Mariners broke. They were the longest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the Raiders a couple years ago broke their streak. Uh, the Kings are currently sit atop the Phillies. <clears throat> they they were over a decade. The Kings, I think 15, 15 or sixteen years. Don't want to be in the playing game. The third in the West, guy. I know. I'm sure they'll keep rolling. Well, Every time I, I talk to my the dad, beam. he wants to just light the light the beam. My dad's been telling me for years this is the year. And this year he's he's saying I told you so. I, I but, saw Beater I saw Biederman who um, Sacramento B, you know, goes to a bunch of Kings games. He had a post on Instagram, just a story. Because I think sometimes stuff like the beam happens in sports in general with the team. People talk shit about it. I, I actually think he's one hundred percent right. He's like, you know, the beam's cool. It doesn't cost any money for anything. It's organic. They just thought of it. it. The fans can have a good time with it. And again, they charge nobody. A lot of times these type things, it's like, you know, it becomes cool, but it, it you use it to monetize. It's just an organic, easy thing to do. You hit the button and the beam goes. I, I think it's actually, it's a cheesy thing that I find cool. I think one of the coolest things about when a team is good in a town is when you can tell that a team is good because you see people wearing the logo you see flags on cars. You see people might hang a flag outside. Like I remember living in the city when the Giants were good. People always San Francisco Giants flags out of windows and that kind of thing. That is so awesome. Like that is not to get not to be cheesy about it, but like the sense of community that sports can help create. 
like you can feel it when that happens. And to me, the beam is like it's the flag that everybody sees. I'm with you. I I, I didn't know there was like a debate about it, but I think it's really cool. I'm I've been pro uh, I'm pro beam. I'm pro beam because it's like it's just one big it's one big uh, you know fly the W flag when the Cubs win. It's just I, I think a lot of people you know we didn't grow up in Sacramento. There's a little causeway that separated us, but like the people, the Sacramento people. When I went to Hunter Bishop's charity, it was like a golf tournament. It was a sports themed, so most people were wearing you know a lot of people wore basketball jerseys. A lot of athletes, so they got good looking arms, so they wore basketball jerseys. Logan Webb. Logan Webb had on a Kings jersey. Most people that you meet from Sacramento that like sports, that are guys and girls, like the Sacramento Kings. They have a very loyal fan base for that area, right? You don't meet many people from Sacramento that don't like the Kings. And you're still, boy, you you don't miss a Kings game. Well, I'm I'm a I'm a convenient NBA fan. I've been I've been bouncing around my whole life. I ain't stopping now. I uh, I've got my my YouTube. TV set to just record any Kings games that come on. And uh, I don't think it's caught any yet. We had a national brand. They don't, they don't get, I saw somebody tweet like the Clippers have 13 games coming up. They don't care about TV games. Like just take them off of national TV. They don't care. Put the Kings on. Kings are fun. I did watch a clip of uh, Darren Fox do an interview the other day. It was, it was entertaining. It feels like they got a good positive vibe going around yeah. the squad. Yeah. I, good. One thing with Mike Brown. Shit, you met him. He feels just like a positive guy. Like he's not a negative. A lot of positive energy Very coming positive. from Mike Brown. Absolutely. And they've had, you know, Jaeger, probably their best coach post Adelman. I would say Jaeger leans negative. Lean, very good coach, <laughs> leans negative. Yeah. You know, uh, well, you Mike, Malone, Mike Malone might have been their best coach. True. And also leans extremely negative. Where where would you lean? What's Kyle positive negative? Would you kind of put him in the middle or Shanahan? Yeah. Um, you know, I bet I think if we really went through like all thirty two coaches, I bet he'd lean neutral, not negative. Because every coach, who would you say is a positive? Andy Reid, positive. Yeah. Who who are the positive quote unquote? I, I, I'd say I'd say I'd say Pete's a pretty upbeat guy. Pete Carroll, positive. Yep. I'd say Sirianni feels like he's a pretty positive upbeat. I guy. would agree. Uh, you know, I, I, I would McVeigh could probably be a little darker behind the behind the screen than I, I wonder if people realize. I agree with that, but he also feels like his his up his positive upside is higher than Kyle's, like running down the field, high fiving people. Yeah, I'd say like but I don't think, but I think truly, like I don't think he's like more positive than Kyle. Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like Bowles negative. Are we just looking for positive guys? We're just trying to find how many guys are more positive than Kyle. Because my guess is Kyle is on actually not like the bottom. I bet McCarthy probably feels more positive, I'd say. Dennis Allen, negative. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of negative coaches. You're right. Mike McDaniel, I'd say more feels more positive. Mike McDaniel is. Solace probably Sala. is too. I'd say he's more positive. Staley. I, this is not a good thing. Always, no, no, I, right? I know. We're just Staley. Mm. People say he doesn't listen to many people. I don't know. Zach Taylor, Lafleur. I'd say Lafleur is more negative than Kyle. Kyle, Kyle, when mad, looks like a caged animal. Did you see the thing where he went on about when Debo got his leg ripped? Did you see KNBR tweeted it? Joe Staley was on with Papa. 
And Joe said he looked at the room of people at his house when that thing happened and they, the melee happened and he saw Kyle on the field. Kyle bumps one of their linebackers. He said, get ready. I'd bet the house they're going to run it every single time until they punch in the end zone. Just run, 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 run. Mm. Kyle, Kyle kind of went like oh, this. I got to go back and watch that. How about Debo saying he blacked out? Debo said he blacked out when it happened. Because he didn't want to hop up fast and fight him. He was so angry, he blacked out. Uh, that's a good piece of insight there from Staley. Yeah, Kyle's, Kyle's pissed. <laughs> and Kyle, like, shows his anger by running the football. That's what I love. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do I have anything else for you? Uh, Justin Herbert's getting wasted. Sean Payton claims to want $25 million a year to coach. <laughs> if, if Mel Tucker's worth nine, I mean, he's not worth 25. Mel Tucker so badly screwed up the coaching market. I agree. I mean, because now you're like Michigan. You can't have Harbaugh making nine, right? If you're Jim, you can't be making nine. You got to be making, he's like, and you can't be making 11 either, right? If Mel's worth nine, I'm not worth 11. I'm worth 18. Tough spot, you know. Tough spot, yeah. I think all those Mich- – I think the Big Ten 80s have to be praying that Michigan State sucks and that they just fire them. I think it's pretty expensive to fire them, though, right? <laughs> it's expensive to fire all these guys. That's why you don't give guys 10-year deals. It's also expensive to lose. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of Sean Payton. He's like, just give me four years, $100 million. Well, What's the big deal? I don't understand. Well, how much does Dion make? Do you ever see his contract? I have not seen. No. Kind of crazy how that... I mean, it doesn't feel like he's making like 80 a year or anything. Uh, no. It, so Dion is making four and a half. Base pay five hundred with four hundred with four million supplemental. I love the base pay. So Dion's making four and a half. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like a lot of college coaches. I remember when I was at Fresno State, Pat Hill's base pay was like two hundred fifty grand, and it was all the other stuff to get him close to two million. TV appearances, <laughs> Nike, radio. It's like wait, he makes seven fifty for his coach's show, hundred thousand. Yeah, crazy. Um. Do you get like uh, seven paychecks when that happens? Yeah, you, it's like, oh, yeah. hey, you. hey, honey, get out the calculator. Make sure they didn't low balls. I saw there's an ad for some company where it's like it, it's it's your the ad. You may see it. It's like a software that your company uses where your employees are the ones that like make sure they're getting the right amount of health care, uh, you know, withdrawal, local state tax. Your employees do it. And the, the ad is like, you know, when your employees do it, then there's going to be fewer mistakes because your employees looking over their each individual, their own paycheck, they're going to have eagle eyes. So you're gonna, never going to have a situation where somebody had a paycheck missed and you got to make it up to them. And I thought, if wait a second, if my I'm the I, I'm the employee, I look over my paycheck like a hawk anyway. What are you talking about? Now I got to do the work. Also, that sounds like bullshit. Keep an eye out for that. ad. T- totally agree. <laughs> it's BS. All right, on that note, we'll see you. Godspeed, everybody. Have a weekend. I got to pee bad, too. Have a weekend, people. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.